Uh, following on from something that Helen prayed this morning um, in the prayer meeting before we started, reminded me of, of a conversation that uh, a chap called Whistler, who's a very well-known American painter, had with one of his friends, uh, James McNeil Abbott Whistler. And Whistler's very, very well known now. His paintings would now sell for many millions, if not tens of millions of dollars. And his friend asked him, how much do you sell your paintings for? And he said, a couple of thousand dollars. And his, his friend said, for a couple of hours' work. And Whistler's response was, no, for a lifetime of experience. And it wasn't only for a lifetime of experience, it was a lifetime of experience with dedication and skill and talent. Now, Kathy's a, a gifted preacher and teacher of the word. She spends a lot of time preparing. But, but what you're going to receive this morning is a whole lifetime of experience. This isn't theory. This is, this is practice. And, uh, and there's, there's a vast difference between hearing somebody who's speaking as a, theoret a theoretician and somebody who lives it out. So that's what we're going to get this morning. Thanks, Ray. Um, hope you can all hear me. It really is um, a joy and a delight to be preaching this morning on two topics that really are just so close to my heart. I'm passionate about worship, passionate about the prophetic, and um, we've just had a beautiful display of that happening this morning. And um, just before I start, I actually just wanted to share... Um, so, Ray has spoken very kindly, but I can honestly say it's the grace of God over my life because I really shouldn't be here. And the reason I shouldn't be here is because when my mom was three months pregnant with me, she had uh, quite severe German measles and was uh, told to abort me because I was going to be blind and uh, my limbs weren't going to be functioning and there were all these things that they told her. And she cried out to God and she said, God, I don't want to do that. And um, so she said, if you save my child, I will give it to you. And um, so it's like Hannah's prayer, you know, and, um, and a, a very amazing Jewish doctor actually came alongside my mom in a really quite sovereign set of events, and he literally walked my mother through that pregnancy, and uh, I went into fetal distress at birth, so really there was so much opposition to my life, and I, I just felt this opposition to children, uh, to stepping into the call of God over their lives. And, and I just want to say I'm a living testimony. I only got saved when I was 15. So for 15 years I walked, I didn't even know. My parents actually weren't really into church really. So honestly that I'm here is a sovereign hand of God over my life. And I just want to encourage every single one of us, if you're trusting for a family member, that there's hope because God can work in a life when no one else is getting involved, just by his spirit, he can do that. A little sidetrack this morning. Um, so yeah, um, we are, as you know, in a, a series on worship and um, we've had 
Greg, kicking us off by just chatting through the values and our vision and worship and the paradoxes within that. And then Justin spoke so powerfully about diversity in worship and, and we are trusting for uh, us to be able to step into more of that because it's such a high value for us as a house because we want to reflect what heaven looks like. And then Brandon will be jumping up next week and speaking about the power of God, the kingdom of God and many other things, um, I'm sure. And then we are going to wrap that up with a, a worship evening which will just be such a beautiful culmination of everything that God has been doing with us in these four weeks. And I really do trust that he's depositing something into you. Um, maybe you have not really quite fully been able to open up your heart and worship, and I just trust that God is going to do that more and more. And so this morning I have the incredible privilege of speaking about the role of the prophetic in worship. And um, so I'm going to break it down into three elements, and then I'd love to give us a charge and a commission at the end. But... I just want to chat through what it is to be worshippers in spirit and in truth and bring some definitions to what the prophetic is and what it looks like in our meetings and then some practicals around that as well. So we are called to worship in spirit and in truth and, and honestly this is the foundation for everything that we do when we talk about the prophetic and in worship and the prophetic in worship. So I just want to read from John 4, verse 21 through to 28. And this is the account of Jesus with the Samaritan woman. And um, we've heard this preached about many times, and we know the account quite well. But he just speaks to her about what worship is going to look like when he has died and he has been buried and raised again. And when he pours out his spirit on his church, his bride, and what that worship's going to look like. And so, just from verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus knew a day was coming that would move the church into a new way of worshiping him. A totally different from the old system, he was speaking about a day when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all believers. He was speaking about a day when the word made flesh would be revealed to us by his spirit. And today, I am very delighted to say we are marking that day. So believers across the world today are celebrating Pentecost. Isn't that amazing? The day that the spirit was poured out on the church at Acts when they were gathered together in the upper room and uh, he descended on them and they would never be the same again. So I just want to read that account. We know it well. Um, but Joel 2 prophesies about this day, and it's interesting that Joel 2 comes when he has been speaking about rending our hearts and uh, our garments, not our garments, sorry, and then he goes on to talk about this day that would come. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I would pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And then Acts 2 is the wonderful fulfillment from 2 to 4. 
Now, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a violent wind blowing came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. This was a moment of empowering when the gifts were bestowed upon the church and spread abroad to all believers. And it didn't matter whether you were rich or poor, whether you were black or white, whether you were a woman and whether you were a man, and even if you were a child or whether you were an adult. The Spirit is for all. This was a change from an old system of priests and sacrifices and go-betweens, and now we can be unified with Christ by the Spirit and also unified with one another. One body in him by the Spirit. This was a moment where Jesus gave us a gift. A gift that would give us freedom, empower us, and make us a temple of living stones in which he could dwell and inhabit. A church marked with fire that would look different, sound different, and operate differently. And we are that church. Worship starts when we are able to see God and have a revelation of who he is. And the Spirit of God gives us that revelation. He reveals Jesus to us. He reveals God's glory to us. And we are able to worship him as a result. A church that worships in spirit and truth is a church where the prophetic is an integral part of our corporate worship. So what does that mean? So we're going to just talk about some of the definitions around these things, but I thought it'd be helpful to just separate prophet, prophecy, and the prophetic for us. So we know in the Old Testament, prophets were given uh, to the believers to deliver words from the Lord. So they would hear God, the Spirit would fall on them, and then they would deliver that word to the people who would then respond in faith. And today in the New Testament, we still have prophets who still deliver the word of the Lord, and very often that's the office of a prophet, so they will give more directive words. So those still are in operation in the church today, and God gives them as gifts to the church, to individual bodies of Christ, but to the wider body of Christ as well. But here's the good news, we can all prophesy. And Paul encourages us to do that and to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts so that we can prophesy. And when we prophesy, we build up the body of Christ. So the prophetic then, what do we mean by that? And we hear this term bandied about quite a lot. And in Pentecostal and charismatic circles, really it's just, it's come to describe things that prophets do. So dreams, visions, words from God, prophecy, words of knowledge, but it has also come more widely to include the gifts of the Spirit that are given to the body that express themselves in our daily lives and in our worship. So then what is prophetic worship and what do we mean by that? A little bit more difficult to define, but really what it amounts to is a church that is worshiping by the Spirit. They are led by the Spirit, and then the gifts of the body of Christ begin to be expressed and come together, and we contribute that to our worship on a Sunday, and we've seen that happening today. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 11, helps us with some practical stuff. 
Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different results, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. For one person is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, and another the message of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performance of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another discernment of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. It's one and the same Spirit distributing as he decides to each person who produces all these things. This scripture lays out the foundation for what prophetic worship can and should look like when we meet together. The Spirit pours out his, upon us and he gives us gifts and each one of us can contribute. Each one of us can be part of worship on a Sunday. You don't have to play an instrument because actually we've all been empowered. And this is so that the body can be benefited, it can build up in its faith, that we can be strengthened, edified, encouraged, and to align us with what the Spirit is saying and doing in our worship together. And I want to say that Glenridge has done this incredibly well. This is a house that is open. This is a house that says we want to be led by the Spirit. We want to, we want to worship Him. We want to serve Him. We want to follow His lead. And we are quite happy to be interrupted in our meetings. And we've had many, many meetings like that where God has just been doing a work by His Spirit in the worship. And we've just let Him go and let Him say, you take the reins because we might get up there and we might lead worship, but actually the Spirit of God leads us. And we want to be a people that say, God, we go where you go. We want to walk where you walk. And we don't ever want to lose that. And I want to commend this church, every single believer in this house over the years and now here present, and the, the leaders that have just allowed God to move as he needs and wants to. So just how do we do that? How do we work together. 1 Corinthians 14, so just a couple of chapters on, 26 to 33, reads as follows. What should you do then, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each one has a song, has a lesson, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all these things be done for the strengthening of the church. If someone speaks in a tongue, it should be two or at the most three one after the other, and someone must interpret. But if there's no interpreter, he should be silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the other should evaluate what is said. And if someone sitting down receives a revelation, the person who is speaking should conclude. For you can all prophesy one after the other, so all can learn and be encouraged. Indeed, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not characterized by disorder, but by peace. And it's so incredible to me that Paul has taken time to lay this out, to show us, actually, we, this is how we can do this. And it's so helpful for us as believers so that we know, I can do this, I can contribute because I've got something to give because the Spirit of God's in me. So first and foremost, it looks like an activated priesthood of believers, partnering with God, participating with their gifts as prompted by the Holy Spirit. 
And 1 Corinthians 14 shows us how. So he gives us things to bring. And I just want to say, when you come to a meeting, whether it's a prayer meeting, or whether it's your home group, or whether it's this meeting on a Sunday, come full. Come ready to give. Come with hearts that are looking to the king to say, Father, would you speak to me? Because he is always moving. He's always working. He has always got something to say. And we are on a mission. We are on a mission. And this church is on a mission and has a mission. And we want to see people saved. We want to see his church established. And so each one of us brings something important when we come. So come ready. And so that could be a spiritual song. So that, that's really a song that is given to you in a meeting that no one's heard before. And you can sing that out. And we've heard that many times in our meetings where God just gives someone a song to sing out of the overflow of their hearts and out of what he is saying. And that often functions like a prophecy. And sometimes it's also a song we know. But either way, we can participate in that and sing along and join in the song because it's the song of heaven. It's the song that is on his heart. And then there could be a lesson. So that is usually something short and encouraging, very often a testimony or an illustration, and um, not a preach, so that's quite important. This is something that's too encouraged to help us to grab hold of something that we can carry through us, through in the week with us. Tongues, so tongues is something that uh, it's a language that we pray to God, and it is a special thing that God gives us, and I, I trust that every one of us is able to speak in tongues. Um, and if you, if you haven't yet, just keep praying and trusting that God's going to pull that out for you. But we can have a tongue that's brought publicly, and that tongue, when it's brought publicly, it's important that that's interpreted. So if you're feeling prompted by the Spirit to bring a tongue, bring it, and then ask God to give you the interpretation. And if if he hasn't given you an interpretation, then ask him to send someone with an interpretation because those are really special moments because I think feel, I feel like for me when a tongue is brought, it's, no one can manufacture that. You can't, you can't just puff that up out of nowhere. God is moving and he's speaking to his people in a really significant way. Prophecy, we know this quite well. It's quite familiar to us, but usually this is where the prophets start to really operate and they bring a word to the church. But it, again, it doesn't have to be a prophet. Anybody can prophesy. And very often we find that those are words that are directive, that speak to the church about his intent for the meeting, for the congregation, for individuals. And sometimes another prophet will confirm that or bring another part to the word. And so it could be a word of knowledge. Um, some, that is when God will give someone knowledge about something that they wouldn't ordinarily be able to know by his spirit. And sometimes someone's had a vision, and then they bring that vision, and they talk about what they feel that it means for the body. And sometimes people have had dreams. We saw that the other day when Jan preached. She'd had a dream, and it really did something powerful in people's lives that day. Other times we have miracles, words of wisdom, healing, and sometimes the demonic begin to manifest in our meetings and the demons flee. And I just want to say, as, as worship teams and as a worship leader in this house, we pray often for this. We pray often that God would move as we minister on our instruments. So like David, when he played the harp uh, with, over Saul, who was troubled by these spirits, that the spirits left him as David played. We trust that God is going to heal you. And we have seen God heal in our meetings together. We've 
seen people be, their ears have opened, eyes have opened. We have seen people delivered of demons. We have seen these things happen. And so we are trusting that as we worship, we come into the presence of the one who is able to do all of these things without anybody laying a hand on anyone else. He can fall on us and he can move and he can heal you. So how do we partner with God? You know, we do love the freedom that the Spirit brings. It is a gift to us, but we also want to be able to steward that really well. And so we do kind of create some banks just to help us, and those banks are worship leaders and the teams that that minister on a Sunday who are really working together in the week to hear God, to ask Him, God, what are you saying? What are you wanting to say to your people? What are you wanting to put in them each week? And then we have a host, um, so Melindy and Lefefe have been playing that role this morning. But somebody who's just, just hearing God for the meeting and allowing the Spirit to move and directing traffic. And so you've seen already on display this morning people coming to them, submitting the word to them, and then they decide, okay, is this the right time? Is this the right word for what God is doing? And they facilitate that. And so how do we do that? How do we, sitting, if you're sitting there and you think, okay, God, how do I do this? There's some questions that we can ask that are helpful. Is this message for me or is it for the body of Christ? The second question is, is this message for now or is this for another time? And then the third question is, is this message maybe for someone specific? In which case, you can go to find that person and start ministering to them straight away. Or maybe you want to find them afterwards. But we're just really trusting that God can break in in those moments. If we've answered those questions and we still are feeling the Spirit of God pressing on us and we want to come forward, then you come forward and you submit the word to the host. And then we trust that the host knows what they feel is right in that moment. And so very frequently you'll be able to share the word and, that's, and then we see the body edified. But sometimes, sometimes it's just not the right time. Maybe we've had too many contributions. Maybe worship's been going on for a while. We want to get to, to hear the word of God. But we're just not going to, I just want to say, let's trust. Let's trust that God is speaking to the host. Let's trust that God is speaking to the worship leaders. Let's trust that he is still working, doesn't matter what actually happens in the meeting, but that we can see the life of God flowing in that moment. And, and I just want to say, if you, if you have come up before and you maybe have been told, okay, maybe not now, please don't be discouraged by that. I really want to, I feel like, it's such an important thing. I think sometimes it takes all your courage to come up here, and it is intimidating to speak over the microphone. But God knows all these things, and, and it doesn't matter. You can still bring that word. You can still submit it and bring it afterwards and chat with us. We are so re- ready and open to chat, and we're all a body together, and it's about the body. It's about the benefit of the body. What is, what is going to help this bride today? That's our goal. So Glenridge, I just felt this morning that I wanted to give us a charge and a commission. I really feel like God is wanting to land on us this morning. Today on Pentecost Sunday, he wants to remind us that we are meant to be a church that looks like that upper room. Every church is a lampstand. Every church has a mandate that is unique to its own body and call. 
In the foundation of this house, there are several things that God has put in us, and I just wanted to highlight two of them. We are called to be a house of radical worship. There have been many prophetic words over the house about radical worship, and we have seen many moments where God has broken in radically, where someone has been brave enough to worship in a wild way, that we are called to be Mary's and David's. Mary poured out that perfume at Jesus' feet, and she didn't think about her reputation in that moment because there was one prize that she was after, to make sure that she anointed the feet of the one who had radically transformed her life. And imagine if she hadn't done that. Imagine if she had thought, no, I can't. Everyone's going to look at me and we can't worry about our reputation. We can't worry about what the person next to us is thinking because it's too costly to do that. Jesus is anointed when we worship him. He is covered in blessing when we worship him, the blessing that is due his name, the glory that is due his name. David, David worshipped radically before the Ark of the Covenant because what had happened was that the Ark of the Covenant had been removed and the presence of God wasn't with the people. And when it came back, he was filled with this joy that the presence of God would be back with the people again. And so he ripped off his royal robes and he stripped himself down because it didn't matter to him that he was a king. It didn't matter to him how he looked. He was willing to sacrifice all of that to make sure that he gave God glory, that he paved a way for the king of kings. And we know the story about his wife who, who was freaking out. She was freaking out because she couldn't understand why he was willing to be a fool like that. And he says, I will become even more undignified than this because it's about him. It is about giving him glory. And I just want to say, Glenwood, I think, and I really feel like there have been many moments for many of you where there's been a moment in worship and you have felt God wanting to like break, you, like wanting to break out with something. I don't know what that looks like for you. For Mary, it was perfume and washing Jesus' feet with her hair. For David, it was stripping out of all his royal robes and dancing wildly before all the people around him. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I just feel like don't, don't ignore the Spirit of God. Because you know what? You don't know whether that breakthrough for you is a breakthrough for someone else. The presence of God coming back to his bride. We are called to be a house of prophetic worship. We are called to be a house that looks like the upper room. You know, when we allow God to move in our midst and when we allow the prophetic to operate, we become like that arrowhead. It's heavy, it's sharp, and it will meet its mark as the Spirit of God pulls us back and releases us because the church is built up. And when the church is built up, then a dying world out there can be saved because we are on fire for him. So when we gather, we need to be ready, ready with our gifts, ready with our reputations at the door, 
to worship our King. So today I feel like God wants to commission us to be that church again. This city needs Glenridge to be the church it's called to be. We are all called. And I, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to pray for us this morning. I feel like there's two groups of people. One, maybe you've never been baptized in the Spirit of God. Maybe you've never had that upper room moment with him. And I really feel like he wants to pour out his spirit on us this morning. And then the, two, the second group is that you've been baptized in the Spirit, you've been following Jesus, but you've taken your foot off the pedal. You have, you've lost your zeal. You've, you've lost your Davidic worship heart. And I really feel like God wants to recommission you. And I just had a picture of a sword coming in and landing on your shoulder on each side and saying, my son, my daughter, I'm recommissioning you to stand up again and worship me. So I wonder if we could, I wonder if we could stand this morning. We say thank you, King Jesus, for the gift of your spirit that leads your bride, the gift of your spirit that is poured out upon your people so that we can worship you as we are called to worship you. Father, we pray that we would be a people on fire for you, a people filled with zeal again, God, a people who are not afraid of, of losing our reputation. Oh, Father, I pray, God, that you would set us ablaze this morning, God. Pour out, God. Pour out your spirit. Fall on us, we pray. This is a house of worship. This is a house of praise. This is a house of miracles. Thank you, Father.